Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks for joining us. We've got about a week of games to chat about and some great storylines from Rays Camp as well. So let's begin the podcast with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. And Mark, let's start with the games themselves. What do you think we did learn from Rays games this week? Well, I think one thing, Neil, that I wouldn't even say learn, but certainly reinforce is the starting pitching is really good. And when healthy, you know, that's really not been a question. We've, we've just talked about it time and time again, how it's one of the best rotations in the American League, maybe all of baseball. So I, I think we've seen that and, and how uh, strong those guys have looked. And some guys, you know, Rizzi's now pitched twice. Matt Moore made his debut against the Red Sox on Monday. And, and you know, things have actually looked pretty good for just about all the starters. Um, defense has been shaky, a little bit of a surprise because, you know, they've really stressed and emphasized the defense. And, you know, Kevin Cash, is, I, I thought, handled it well. He actually, you know, he didn't just brush it off. He said, you know, these are mistakes that are costing us games. And maybe in a way there's a good way to look at it and that it reinforces to the players making the routine plays is important because there have been two games where I think the decisive run has scored an error on a routine play that the Rays botched. So that, that to me, are probably the two things that stand out. And you look at the game they played, let's say Monday, against Boston, the infield did play a clean game. They did play their first error-free game of the spring. And maybe if this continues for another week or two in terms of a lot of errors piling up, it becomes an even greater concern for Kevin. Although he said, hey, this wrapping the regular season, not exhibition season, it'd mean a whole lot more. But if they start playing clean baseball for the next week or two, I think maybe it doesn't put it to rest but you probably have a better feeling about the defense. Yeah, I mean, if you want to say best-case scenario, make a bunch of errors early, learn from them, don't make any more. Another point to make is that, and we all get wrapped up in this when you're around it on a daily basis, but you have to sometimes remember who's on the field when these mistakes are happening. You know, sometimes the cumulative stats aren't reflective because so many guys are playing in these games that aren't going to be part of the team that aren't key guys. In the game on Monday at Boston, it was pretty much the starting infield. I mean, Longoria, Miller... Forsyth, Morrison at first. Against a right-handed starter, there's a real good chance that could be the starting lineup, obviously, pending what happens with James Loney. So, you know, that could also be a reason you saw an error-free game that was kind of the A-team in there. And we've, you mentioned the A-team starting pitching has been very good. And when we haven't seen what we would call the A-team offense, but there have been some displays of offense, a couple of 10-run games with in the first week. And I think what you look at at this point is the approach. And, and you know, the Rays made such a deal, such a big deal toward the end of last season of switching to that more of an aggressive approach. You know, Derek Shelton, I know, has, has been advocating that to stick with that this season. Kevin Cash does. They want to go with that again. You know, and part of it now is integrating the new players into that approach. I mean, you know, Longoria, Evan Longoria bought in last year, but he had a cautionary comment at the start of camp this year where he said, you know, other teams are watching that. We can't just go up there swinging at anything. We have to be careful how we're getting pitched now and, and recognize that. So there's going to be some adjustments to make, but, you know, the fact that they added to the offense is obvious. You know, you and I have been talking for a piece I did on the lineups and, and how that's going to fit together. There's different theories of how this is going to fit, but there's no debating how many more options and how many more pieces they have to work with. And speaking of fitting together, you did a great piece Sunday in the Tampa Bay Times on chemistry and how that all figures in and how guys work together and how that figures in what the front office does. Yeah, it was interesting, and I think anytime you can you can kind of get a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, and, and share that with the readers and the listeners is, is always cool to do. And, you know, we, we all think of the Rays as this kind of stat-heavy, you know, quote-unquote nerd-driven, you know, analytical organization, and they very much do all those things. They've got a whole slew of number crunchers. There's guys who work for the Rays that we've never seen. seen. They don't even work on in the property. They live elsewhere off property. But, you know, to also mix in with that the human element, and Kevin Cash that made some great points that, you know, because they can't afford to make mistakes, they have to bet on the right people. And 
and, and part of that is getting a real feel for those guys, how they fit in the clubhouse, how they get along. I mean, they don't have to all love each other, but they have to have that chemistry and that camaraderie and that you know, spirit decor of wanting to do what's best for the team. Something that obviously you can do during the course of spring training at times. One thing we will have here in spring training, finally official this week, is the trip to Cuba. Yes. Uh, hola. I mean, it's going to be fun to go and, and obviously, you know, to cover this trip, a historic event and, and not just from a baseball standpoint, but really from a political standpoint. I mean, the president's going to be there. There's going to be a bunch of other U.S. senators there from what I've heard. The mayor of St. Petersburg. There's going to be so many elements to this trip. But the fact that, you know, it's basically baseball diplomacy. And, and that's really kind of a cool thing. And that we're going to be able to be there and witness it and, and just to see what that's like is going to just be a fascinating experience. And maybe someone from Cuba playing for the Rays in, in Dayron, Verona. Yeah, and, you know, talking to Dayron uh, last week and, and you know, really get, learning his story. I mean, he's a guy who signed with the Rays last year. He was a free agent, not a big-name guy, got less than $500,000, but he was playing for $4 a month in Cuba. He was talked a little bit about how he got out. He took a boat, uh, went to Haiti with his mom, and then ended up getting you know, citizenship to be able to come and get signed over here in pro ball. And just to get a sense from him of what it would be like and, and you know, if he got to go back, and he has to be one of the 28 players the Rays pick, there will be a limit. But you'd certainly think if he's healthy, they'd bring him back. And what an emotional story that would be for him. And he didn't know when he left if he'd ever get to go back. I would certainly concur with that. And speaking of great stories, one that happened this week was Dan Johnson. Joining the race as a knuckleball pitcher. I mean, does it get any better than that? It, it's so funny. And, and uh, Rick Vaughn, uh, when he when he delivered the, the news to us the other day, the, the longtime and, and tremendous uh, VP of PR for the race, he, he kind of said, what if I told you guys that Dan Johnson was coming back? And, you know, immediately, you know, I was like, wow, what a story. He goes, and what if I told you guys he was coming back as a knuckleball pitcher? <laughs> it was like, What? And, and then to talk to Dan Johnson about it, and, and you know he, he, you know Dan, and you know he gets very excited. And I finally said, "Isn't this just the craziest thing?" And he looked at me and he said, "Would we want it any other way?" And that's just so Dan Johnson. We're going to hear from him a little bit later on in the podcast. We're hearing from Mark Topkin now, and each week we go over the roster. And you did make a slight change this week in terms of your expectation for opening day. Yeah, and I was, you know, it's still really early. And, and you know, doing this exercise, I think I mentioned to you last week, you know, these first couple of weeks, you, you tend to just kind of go with the chalk, the obvious picks, unless there's an injury that affects things. But in this case, I thought Kevin Cash made a very interesting comment last week about Matt Andrees, and he's praised him throughout the camp. And even though they're going to stretch him out as a starter, you know, Kevin Cash said that Matt Andrees was definitely competing to be on that pitching staff, which to me meant in the bullpen, they're looking for one or two guys to be these kind of swing guys who can work, you know, four outs, five outs, six outs, work working inning, working inning in two-thirds, bridge some gaps there. And Matt Andrees was a guy who did that last year. You know, he didn't plan on it. He was a starter through the minor leagues, but he kind of filled in for some relief roles for the Rays last year. And, you know, just maybe shortening him up maybe makes more sense than trying to lengthen a guy like Steve Geltz or Danny Farquhar who are used to being, you know, a couple out or one inning max type of guys. And you're going to be following that, as I will, all the way through. One thing we didn't mention in terms of this past week, a guy who has expectations for the race, principal owner Stuart Sternberg. Yes, boy, that seems like so long ago that he was here. It's been a busy week. But, uh, yes, Stu Sternberg, I thought in an interesting and, and, you know, in a way a very realistic comment is he, you know, as any owner would say, you know, he thought they had a great offseason. He thought they made their team better. But he did, you know, acknowledge, you know, the obvious that there's some other teams in American League East that have gotten better and are really good as well. I think he's confident they're going to be in the race. They always talk, ownership does, about playing meaningful games in September. And I think he's confident they will do that. But, you know, 
throwing a little caution out there. I believe he described the Blue Jays lineup as a beast, and, and that's a pretty good way to put it. That's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Now, we mentioned Dan Johnson and his decision to become a pitcher. I chatted with Dan on his first full day of workouts in Port Charlotte and asked him what it meant to be back. Well, it means everything to be back. I mean, this is kind of where all the fun started, really. <laughs> you know, um, I had some good times early in my career, but this is this is what I, I seem to remember the most um, are, are the highlights from the, the years that I had with the Rays. Um, initially, it came down to this was something that was um, offered up to me, and, and uh, it was an opportunity that I didn't really see coming, and, and uh, ultimately this is the, what I wanted to, the path that I wanted to choose. So, you know, I kind of held out and waited and waited and waited and waited, and then... Um, you know, when the opportunity rose again with the Rays, then I, I jumped on it. A lot of hitters say they want to pitch, just like a lot of pitchers say they want to hit. How long have you been toying with the knuckleball, and when did this really become serious to you? It, I've been toying with it since I was a kid. Um, my dad used to call it the Dancing Dazzler, and he'd throw it, and, you know, like nobody would hit it or whatever when we were kids. And uh, so I've always thrown it. And, I mean, I've used it in the little leagues and, and – um, so on so you know all the way up type thing um didn't really pitch much and then um it's just something that i've played with uh, since i can remember in pro bowl i remember you as a hitter you hated facing knuckleballers so is there something odd about you now wanting to be a knuckleballer you know what i see how i, I remember how i was up there so um the funny thing is is like you know i, I feel like i can give that that same feeling to the other hitters <laughs> so it's 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 really funny that you brought that up because um it was actually brought to my attention yesterday of how good i was at, at hitting knuckleballers um which is not very good <laughs> Did, how much of this also is having a guy who's thrown a knuckleball in camp like charlie hager who I'm sure you faced before when you were with the White Sox, when he was with the White Sox, rather. That's where my knuckleball problem started, if you don't remember. It, and it was uh, when Charlie was um, manager, he actually, the last game, I don't know if you remember, but I, I didn't miss him any games at all. But uh, we played the last game, and he was throwing, and I remember Charlie giving me the bench, and he was like, you're welcome. And I was like giving him a hug before the season was over. How much do you think it'll be helpful, though, to have him – help you and knowing how to throw it knowing how to make that transition well essentially everything he tells me is is the the gospel for me right now you know what i'm saying i, I mean I'm, I'm starting at square one like i'm going out there and what do you want me to do and knowing that he's done it and he's had success with it um you know being in with uh, toronto and being able to uh talk with dickie quite a bit about it and and um, all the opportunities that I've had to, you know, kind of pick their brains, and then now having actually a guy that's thrown actually be a part of my coaching staff, it, it's it's. Uh, it, I think the things are looking up for. How much of how much time are you willing to give yourself with this? Because look, you're 36, but knuckleballers can pitch their 50. That's the thing, and and another thing is, is you know what? I've got 16 seasons in. You know, I'm I'm okay. Like if it doesn't work, I got I got a family at home. Um, you know, it's, it, this is going to be something that I'm going to give everything I got to. And then, um, you know, it's, it's like kind of self-assess, coach assess, and see where it's at. Um, you know, if it's getting better, of course I'm going to keep going with it. You know, it's it's something that I'd, I'd, I've always had. And, you know, the, the joke was always made, you need to get on the mound. So, you know what, it, it's time to go. Let's, let's see what happens. I mean, I don't know if I could live with myself. I didn't give it at least a shot. You mentioned your family, so what did Holly say when you said, honey, I'm going back to camp, and I'm going to be a knuckleball pitcher? <laughs> See, well, as, as odd as my career's been, it, the, the, the stories that I have during my career, um, it just fits right in with her. She's like, oh, well, okay, here we go. 
and to not know it and the you know like to make the decision and sign and fly out the same day like at nine o'clock in the morning and then be uh, you know at the airport at ten thirty and and find you know that's that's kind of how uh my day went and you know that's just standard for for her uh her life there she's just like oh here we go we gotta make adjustments that's stan johnson and we certainly wish him well as he transitions to the mount now speaking of transitions Kurt Casale last year made the transition from playing a platoon role to almost every day with the race. He suffered a hamstring injury that cost him the last month of 2016, and I asked Kurt Casale when in the offseason he felt 100%. Um, I felt pretty normal about two weeks after the season. I, I really didn't do a heck of a lot. I, I laid on the couch per instructions from you know Ron and, and Hark and Mark, but it... it um, I, I felt pretty good the whole offseason, to be honest with you. I, I didn't think it, it hindered my preparation in any way, shape, or form. I actually thought um, I had a really good offseason of working out and getting stronger. And, you know, the people I was with, we, we got some great cage time. So I feel good coming into this season. Obviously, I need to, you know, get back the timing. That would be, you know, uh, goal number one for getting back into, into spring training shape and game shape. But overall, it didn't take me very long. I just... You know, I'm hard-headed. I probably should have just taken four weeks off of doing nothing during the season, but I see my guys out there. I want to get back as, as fast as I can. I was trying to do whatever I could to, to get back uh, on the team last year. You mentioned getting stronger. Was that a point of emphasis for you coming into this season? Were there things after you went through last year that you said, I want to do this, this, and this better, and this will help me get there? Yeah, um, well, just just based on my my past seasons, <laughs> I wanted to be healthy for a full season and be able to catch a bunch of games. Um, I think that's that's the goal. I want to be durable and and help these guys out for whatever I can. And you know, not that not that I don't think endurance was a problem last year, but maybe I wasn't ready to catch as much as I was last year. So maybe that's why my hamstring gave out when it did. But I really tried to focus on um, those type of exercises during the off season to to try and you know enable me to have a long and successful uh, season this year. I was curious about that. You know, you, you mentioned you went basically from not playing or playing on a very semi-regular basis to playing almost every day. Yeah. How is, was it the physical or the mental that was tougher with that change? Obviously, you got great results. I, I think it might have been a combination of both. I don't, I don't think I necessarily, you know, thought it was a huge adjustment just because I'm, I'm used to playing every day, just in that particular instance, I, I guess I had been cold. Um, but then again, I, I should be able to handle that. I mean, that, that's that's the way that this game goes. I mean, you can get hot, you're going to play a lot, and you can get cold, and you're you're not going to play. So I, I understand it, and I'm not at all complaining about the opportunity to play every day because that was, you know, the time of my life, and I, I want to continue to do that at the same time. So this offseason was, was a lot of, of emphasis on endurance and, and making sure that I could handle the, the strengths and um, challenges of being an everyday catcher. Did you put on weight, or are you pretty much the same, just redistributed? Um, this, this is pretty much a normal uh, weight gain for me this offseason. I probably put on 10 to 15 pounds um, just knowing that I'm going to lose it. I, I try to come in heavier um, or as heavy as possible. Obviously, a good, you know, good weight, not 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 bad weight, but 
just knowing that spring training is probably going to I'm probably going to be down five pounds by the end of this thing and then by the season ends I might be 15 to 20 pounds lighter um, just something that you know it's my fifth season I kind of know what what my body responds to and doesn't respond to so a um, lot a lot of weightlifting a lot of uh, a lot of stretching this off season and you know a lot of good eating too and the last stretch you had last year before the injury you put together 100 unbelievable at bats in terms of the power numbers how much did that help or does that help you going forward in terms of confidence and and your thoughts on you know moving forward this year yeah i I definitely feel um a sense of belonging this season um for the most part just just the way that um you know the guys have, have greeted me and um, I'm able to, you know, converse with them on a more a, a deeper level, a, a more comfortable level, a more trustworthy level. Um, I think that me showing them that I can play and that, you know, I, I maybe deserve to play, just just makes the spring training a little easier for me. And you know, some of the guys that we brought in, it's it's been it's been awesome. But in terms of last season, I, you know, I, I guess you could say it was an unconscious thing last year. I. I definitely felt good at the plate for that, that stretch of time, and I'm, I'm just hoping that I can repeat some of it because I don't I don't I don't know if the the home run to at bat ratio could, can stick just just because I, I'm assuming that I'm going to get adjustments from pitchers and I've already seen in my first two at bats I got four sliders the first two pitches first two at bats so I feel like I'm going to have to get used to that and and battle my way back to to where I want to be. That's Kurt Casale, likely, assuming health, to be on the Rays' opening day roster. Now, don't forget, Dave and Andy will host Countdown to Opening Day this Thursday, where slated to be among our guests will be Jay Cotorizzi. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.